All right, good morning, guys. Find your pew or your seat or whatever it is. Happy Sunday. Man, it's good to be here. I, I have no clue what's going to happen in the next 35 minutes. I feel so full of God right now. Uh, but man, do you feel that? It's so good just to come in here and worship the Lord. Uh, but man, for the last two or three days, God has just done stuff. And I wish I could tell you, but I can't. <laughs> I gotta, I, we're planning some things, and it's just so humbling and startling at the same time. Uh, just to see what God is doing and moving certain people into the lives of, of this ministry and people who are very, very interested in what we're doing here. And it's just crazy. It's just crazy. We had a wedding here, last, I think it was last night. And uh, man, like the Holy Spirit, it was like breaking out in all these crazy ways at a wedding, you know. And man, it's just a, it's a good time. Um, and so, you know, Mr. C.H. Spurgeon, the old preacher, he said the tear ducts are the release valve to the heart. And uh, man, my heart just feels full, full of joy. So I, I hope that spills off. I hope, I hope I'm not weirding you out with this, but man, I tell you, when God gets a hold of your heart, it's just something beautiful. All right, let's turn to uh, Matthew chapter 6. If you have a Bible, if you don't, don't sweat it. Uh, I'll walk us through this. Um, I'm going to do my best to work with this screen. Um, if I am off on a slide, I want you guys to very politely just raise your left hand so I know that I messed up. No, actually, don't do that. I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, I will try to use this slide and put some of our Bible verses up there. There's a Bible in front of you in the pew. Uh, if you don't have one, uh, if you don't get any of it, if you're not even a Christian, number one, we're really happy you're here. Um, I'll do my best to explain it all to you. And what I really want to do this morning is just serve you, and I mean that. I just want to minister to you. Um, I've had a great week. It's been a crazy week. I've had a crazy morning. But at the same time, God's growing me in this thing that I'm going to throw at you today. And so you're just taking a journey with me as the Holy Spirit's doing something in my heart. Um, so I want to I bless you. I want you to go away from this place feeling strong, feeling full of, of hope and faith and expecting miraculous things to happen in your life, especially if you're here and you're just really, really struggling. How many of you guys are really struggling uh, this morning? You notice my hand is up. I want to help us together. I want to help us together. And I think God is going to do that. So Matthew 5, Matthew 6, we'll jump back and forth, and uh, we'll see what the Holy Spirit wants to do with his service here uh, in just a minute. Let me, get, let me ask you guys a real, a real heart-searching question, and don't sweat it, um, because if you're a Christian here, and if you're not a Christian, we believe in a Savior. And uh, we are not the heroes. We are not the perfect one. So we are absolutely comfortable, as Jeffrey prayed, uh, that Jesus is our identity. He is the Savior. He is the perfect one. And we're covered by him. So we can be transparent and we can, we can be open about our struggles. That's a part of being a church community. But how many of you guys are dealing with anxiety in some way? How many of you are, are feeling anxiety because I asked you to raise your hand? That's <laughs> like the worst thing to do, you know. Uh, but seriously, are a lot of you guys dealing with worry and stuff like that? Yeah, everybody is. And uh, think about it. Like even, even for tomorrow, like some of you right now, and this is not to insult you, it's just to be real. Like some of you right now are struggling to even kind of be present in this moment because you're thinking about tomorrow. Just like all the stuff life throws at us. And uh, I don't like that. I, I think a lot about heaven because of that. I, I think a lot about the new earth because of that. Um, anxiousness and fear. And, and, and it's really the unknown is what it is. I think we all write a story in our minds of what we want our lives to look like, yeah? 
I mean, if you're single and you're struggling with that, you were supposed to be married by now. And if you're married and you're struggling, which if you're married, you're struggling because marriage is beautiful, but it's a collision of two imperfect people. Uh, there's a little marriage counseling for you. Uh, you need the grace of God. But even if you're married, you're, you, maybe you're here and you're like, it just, I didn't think it would be like this. Or maybe you're unemployed and you're like, this isn't the script that I wrote in my mind's eye. This isn't, this isn't what I had in mind. Um, the unknown, tomorrow, what tomorrow brings and what tomorrow has brought from the past and, and the loss of jobs or whatever it may be. Maybe you're struggling with even sickness or something like that. But sometimes life isn't exactly playing out the way we thought it would. And, and man, that can mess you up. That can be really hard. And I think it's the unknown, guys. I, I'm constantly thinking about the unknown and, and how God has allowed us to obviously process and see the past. And he's allowed us to live in the present but the unknown, the future is just that. It's, it's, it's unknown. It's dark. We, don't, we can't see into it. And it would have been a whole lot cooler if God would have allowed me to forget the past and not know what was going on in the past, but know what's going on in my future. But he's got to do something through this. But the unknown, man, it can be really hard to deal with. I've got a little ritual uh, at 2 in the morning. I ate five meals a day. Uh, one of them is at 2 in the morning. It's not good. And the only thing available at 2 in the morning when you're half asleep is junk food. But every, it's almost every morning at about 2 in the morning, I wake up like famished and I go into our kitchen. But the house is dark. Think about this. The house is dark. And if you're like me, and I think you are when you're walking through a dark house, what are you thinking about? Yeah, you're thinking about your toes breaking on the corner of something is what you're thinking about. You're, you're inching your way through the dark. It's unknown. You can't see it. And because you can't see it, you're tight. You're flinching. You're, you're waiting. You're, you're almost bracing yourself for the, ah. But th that, can, that can feel like life a lot of the times. Like we don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. We're, we're worried about something, everything from being accepted into a college to what's going to happen with those doctor's results, those test results, to what's going to happen in a marriage because things aren't working out. Whatever it is, walking into the unknown, the future is really hard, and we live with this anxiety. And the problem with this, you guys, the problem with the unknown, the problem with not knowing what tomorrow holds is it binds you. It has incredible power over you. The unknown gains this control, this, this pressure, this power that begins to control us. And if you're like me, man, the weirdest thing is, I guess, to cope with what I don't know is going to happen tomorrow that I'm really worried about, I create scenarios. I, I start thinking to myself, okay, this is most likely going to happen, and it's usually the worst possible scenario. And the reason we do that is because if we think, this is probably going to happen and it's the worst possible scenario. We can brace for it and prepare for the pain. You with me? You tracking with me? And so we're fighting these battles in our minds. But what happens when you live in a mindset of not knowing what's going to happen, thinking of the worst, struggling with that, living with that anxiety, is that, minds, that mindset really begins to shape our spirits. We become really broken people. And somehow we got to take all of this anxiety and worry about the unknown, whether it's tomorrow or next year, and we got to trade it for faith and power and strength so we can live on like the people God wants us to be. The big question is, how in the world do we do that? We all have bookshelves full of books on this. 
Look at this. Look at this old quote I found a long time ago. And I, for the life of me, I want to forget it. But it, it, it's so true. Look at that. Worry is faith in the negative. Trust in the unpleasant. Assurance of disaster and belief in defeat. Worry is wasting today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's trouble. How many of you feel that right there? Like half of you guys are, I see your hands moving. You're like, I got to write that down right there. That's life. That's intense stuff right there. And somewhere as I read the scripture, in, in particular in Matthew 5 and 6, Jesus is like, I'll shatter that. I'll crush that. But you got to follow me. And it's like, wait, Jesus, you, you got to speak to us today, though, because that, that makes no sense. Like, how do I divorce that? Worry is an enemy. Worry is a thief. It robs us of our joy in life. It robs us of our faith in life. Our big picture, adventurous, explosive design that God has given us. And guys, every one of you, whether you're a Christian or not, every one of you are designed to live an amazing life in freedom. And uh, let, me, let me just say a word, and, and I'm by no means overly seasoned. I'm still learning a lot. But I think this is why we try to control things. And just hear me for a minute. We're going to dive into Matthew 6 in a minute. I think this is why we try to control things. If we, if we feel like we have something in control that's a constant, that doesn't move, that never changes, if we feel like we have that thing, we feel like we're in control of at least something. That's why a lot of the times, whether it's like decorating a house or whatever, or, or maybe you're, you're, you're really grabbing tight a hold of something in life or a ministry or even a church, the reason we do that is because we're terrified of the unknown and we feel like if I can just keep this thing right here never changing, then I can at least know in that realm of my life what tomorrow is going to bring there. But then Jesus is, Jesus is this God. He's the Savior of perpetual movement and change and transformation. So even he takes those things and he says, none of this down here is designed to be your constant. None of it. I'm designed to be the constant. I'm designed to be the one that you always look to and say, you never change. Your love never changed. You'll always be here for me. I don't have to look for any of this down here. I can look to you. But it, this is an incredibly hard journey. Uh, any Lord of the Rings fans? Oh, come on. Yeah, I got something going on over here. All right, got some, okay, good, good. We got some Lord of the Rings fans. Uh, or Hobbit fans, you know, if you're like, you're a total geek. I get it, I'm working through it. Um, I love these movies, probably too much. Uh, my family is going to take a trip to New Zealand just to see the set. I know, it's really weird. We'll be taking a third offering for that trip, by the way. We haven't, we haven't figured out how we're going to get there yet, but... Uh, uh, but anyway, think of this. Think of the fear of the unknown and, and these narratives in our culture, these stories, these movies. We hear it all the time. Um, when uh, Gandalf, which he's a picture of God in this, in this whole thing that uh, Tolkien does. And uh, he knocks on Bilbo's, Bilbo's door just like God knocks on our hearts. And he says, Bilbo, we, we need to take a journey. And it's, it's going to be full of adventure, but it's going to be full of the unknown. And if you've read the books or seen the movie, you know what Bilbo does. He slams the door. He says, no, I'm perfectly fine right here. As a matter of fact, this is what he says. Sorry, Gandalf. I don't want any adventures. Thank you. Not today. But please come to tea anytime you would like. Goodbye. I am safe right here. 
Gandalf says, Bilbo, your world around you is changing. If you don't come out of that door and trust, this world's going to take you down. Another great movie, another great uh, author, C.S. Lewis, when little Lucy is battling all this fear on the Don Treader and she's going into the unknown waters, she's just terrified. And this little bird is sent from Aslan, who's like Jesus. This little bird is sent, and this bird begins to speak to her, you know, in that C.S. Lewis language, that, that cryptic, mystical world. And here's what, here's what Lewis writes about Lucy, who was so full of fear and what she needed so bad, because she didn't know what the future was going to hold. But no one except Lucy knew that it circled the bird, knew that it circled the mast, and it whispered to her, Courage, dear heart. Courage, dear heart. And the voice she felt sure was Aslan's. And this is what we need. Whatever we're facing, we need to hear Jesus say, Courage, dear heart. We need someone to follow. We need someone to speak hope into this. And this is what Jesus wants to throw at us today, to inject in us. He wants to free us from anxiety and worry. He wants to replace it with a true trust and a peace in the deepest part of your soul, guys. He wants to deliver that today. He wants to liberate us. Look at Matthew chapter 5. Here's the setting. He sees his guys, his disciples, and uh, these are great guys. You know, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and all this stuff. These are, these are, this is his crew. They're, they're pretty jacked up people, but they're trying to follow Jesus. And Jesus just loves these guys. And I love what Jesus says, or the Bible says about Jesus at the end of John's gospel when he's got his guys around. And it says that he loved them to the end. And he cares for these guys, and he sees in their eyes there's a fear. He says, follow me, leave everything you got and follow me. And we read the scriptures like they're like, yeah, let's go. They leave father and mother. Maybe midway through that year and a half journey, they, they start getting real nervous. They start really tripping out. And at one point, Jesus is talking about leaving all to follow him. <laughs> and Peter goes, Lord, we left all to follow you. What do we get? Which is to say like, are you going to come through for us? We're kind of getting nervous. And so he gathers them around in this thing we call a Sermon on the Mount. And he says, man, I, I just got to help my people. I got to help the people I love and I shepherd. I got to help you to not worry. I got to help you to trust me and, and trade worry for faith and joy and power and belief. So in 5-1, that's our setting, seeing the crowds. He went up on the mountain, so he pulls his, his 12 out of the crowd. They're struggling. He pulls them out of the crowd. You know, Jesus wants to do that with you. He wants to pull you away from the busyness, and he wants to talk to you. He wants to tell you things. He wants to cast out fear. So seeing the crowds, he goes up onto this mountain as the crowd is at the base of this, this mountain. Think of a daily city type mountain, just a, a, a very small, small mountain, if you can even call it that. And he goes up on that mountain, and the scripture says in 5.1, when he sat down, his disciples came to him. I mean, they're like, he's got life. He knows what to do. And so they come to him like these beautiful little sheep, you know. They just come to him and they sit at his feet, you know, as he's, he's positioning himself like this rabbi. And uh, he sees the worry in their eyes and he, he begins to speak into their life. 
He sees them struggling with things like fear and anxiety and worry about how things are going to come together in the future. And then what's the response? I mean, what does Jesus say? He sits them down, and of all the things he can say to them, of all the self-help curriculum he could have used, he goes like this, pray. (laughs) Come on, Jesus, give us a book. Give us three steps on this animal. Like, pray? I don't got time to pray. I'm worried. He's like, right. Pray. He says, pray then like this. You want to destroy fear, pray then like this. Realize you got a father, and your father cares for you, and and he sees you like little kids. You're you're like little kids down there. Get this image. He's going, guys, you're like little kids, and and you got a father who's never going to leave you. He's got his eye on you. Believe in this. He goes, pray like this, our Father in heaven. I love it. You don't just got a father who loves you and cares for his own children, but your father has every resource in heaven imaginable. And it's like, that's all good, Jesus, but I need more to that because I'm good for like 30 minutes and then I lose that strength right there. And he's like this, hallowed be, not, be your name. And he's like, tell the Father how amazing he is. Like, that does something for you, not him. He, he gets it. Like, he knows he's amazing. But when you speak it, you begin to believe it. Like, you're my Father. You have all the power and resources of heaven. And you, you are the amazing one. Hallowed be your name. You're the glorious God. You're the caring Father. You're the one who's authored my life. You're sovereign. You're in control. You've written the plan. He's like... Pray this, speak it, and believe it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As everything is joyously trusting in the Father in heaven, pray that your heart would trust him the same down here. But then he goes like this. If you're anxious about tomorrow, if you're worried about tomorrow, if you're worried about this afternoon, he goes like this. Give us this day our daily bread. Just pray it, right? You'll be good. Well, no, there's layers to this. This is Jesus. And every time Jesus says a sentence, there's a thousand different truths and angles that are exploding like a light shining into a prism. I mean, one statement of the Lord Jesus Christ is exploding with these truths. And so I look at this this line from God. Remember, God spoke a word and creation came. Jesus said a whole sentence. This thing's packed. This is packed with goodness to feast on if you're struggling with anxiety. But Jesus, you better explain this to us because we're struggling. This this looks kind of like a a minor prayer here. Give us this day our daily bread. Like, what does that do for us? And guys, there is within this prayer literally the key to unlocking peace about that which we're worried about. Let's just like a, a rose in its petals. Let's just peel it back and watch the beauty come. I'm going to give you one thought. Maybe you write this down. Just one thought this morning. Here's what what verse 11 is. Jesus teaches us how to pray away our fears for today. I just love that. I need that. This is what Jesus is going to do in this verse right here. He's going to teach us how to pray away our fears. That's good. And if you picture what's happening here, it's just beautiful. Uh, look at Matthew 6, 6, 9. 
Ah, 611, let's just stick there. Here's what's happening. I want you to get the visual because it's so deep and beautiful and important and you need to see Jesus this way. We read these Bible verses and we just cruise by them and it's like, ah, nothing's working. I want you to slow down and get there. I want you to get on that hill. I want you to feel the dustiness sticking to the sweat as the sun beats down. I want you to see yourself gathered around the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want, I want you to take all your anxiety and your worry and I want, I want you to let his eyes Lock with yours and know that he cares for you. He loves you. He looks at the whole group of fearful followers. And now he begins to think of how to paint hope into their heart's canvas. And so he comes up with 611. Pray for daily bread. Daily bread? Well, to a Jew, um, that would have meant all your daily needs. All your daily needs. It's not not just bread. It's kind of all-inclusive. All physical things that you may need for today, pray for those. Pray for those. But wait a minute now. Wait a minute. Uh, Is that really what Jesus is saying? Which is to say, if you don't ask for what you need today, God's not going to give it? No, because God has already promised, and I'll show you it in just a second. He's already promised to make sure all of your daily needs are given to you. I mean, he's like, look, you're worried about it, but the, I, I love this. Thanks a lot, Jesus. He's like, you're worried about it, but the birds aren't. Like, really? Could you come up with something a little more, you know, the birds? You're comparing us to the birds now. Great. Um, but he goes like this, like, A bird has not worked a day in its life for those worms. I make worms come up. You know, and that's the whole point. He's not like if you you fail to to pray this, it's not coming through. Um, This is a prayer of reminder that, look, I'm going to give you your daily bread. Now, there's more to that, but just hang on to that. And really, this is a prayer that's that's a constant reminder, if, if I could say it like that. It's a constant reminder that God has already promised to give us everything we need for today. And really what he's doing here is by praying this out loud or praying this in in the quietness of your heart, it's like it's reawakening this thought and it's reminding ourselves of the truth. Lord, give me this day my daily bread. Lord, I know you're going to give me everything I need today. Lord, it's like preaching to yourself. Lord, I know you're going to give me everything today. You see, the problem is when we get filled with anxiety and worry, at least I do, I get moving so fast that I forget these things. And when I slow down long enough and I pray something as simple as that, it really digested in my soul. Like, Lord, you said you'd provide everything for today and it's never failed. What am I worried about? Look at Matthew 6, 8. He says, do not be like them. And that's just uh, kind of other religions and so forth and the way that they pray. He goes, for your father knows what you need before you ask. He's got you. Like, if I don't pray this, he's not going to come through. And God's like, seriously? (laughs) Man, I I knew what you needed today, Psalm 139, when you were in the womb. And then watch this. Jump to uh, 25. He, he lays out this parable, and by the way, we're going to go back and teach on this in about three weeks again, because in three weeks we're going to be full of anxiety again. 
Yeah. I mean, at least I will, so I'm going to need this sermon in a couple of weeks. But he goes like this in 25. Therefore, I tell you, therefore, therefore, therefore. Like, quit worrying. Here's why. Do not be anxious about your life. Jesus, how do I stop? He goes, quit worrying about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Here's what he's saying. I provide those things so you can pursue something deeper. <laughs> he's like, come on, life's more than where am I going to work tomorrow, as hard as that is. Or life is more than um, I don't have enough to buy this thing. He's like, I'm going to take care of that so you can pr- pursue something that's going to blow your mind. So watch what he does here. Verse 26. He goes, look at the birds of the air. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that, that feels a, that, that's kind of heavy right there. Look at the birds of the air. You see all those, you know, awesome disciples who want to call down fire. They kind of look up at the birds like, oh, great, here he goes. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather in the barns. Like, they don't work. (laughs) And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Can Can I help you with that? Did Jesus love and die for them? Quick theological correction right there. <laughs> it's all good. Keep talking. It's all good. Grace upon grace. But he's like, look, Jesus didn't even come and die for them. He died, in, he died for you. He came for you. And if he loves that, those little creatures, you know, that, that don't even live long, and he makes it happen for them. Like, how much more for you? He says in verse 27, and which of, of you by being anxious, can I, that verse kills me right there. And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? Like, where did stressing out and worrying ever get you? <laughs> like, did it ever change a thing? Yeah, my blood pressure. <laughs> like, what are we doing, you know? And then in verse 28, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. So then he goes, look at that little flower right there. Like, oh, great. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. They don't work to look beautiful. They don't work to be clothed with what they have. They sit there and God works it out. How much more will he work out your daily needs for you? Verse 29, yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, so clothed it, like with abundance of provision, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Like it's not even going to last and he cares about grass enough to provide for it. Will he not much more clothe you You have little faith. Like, look at the created order around you and believe. But our anxiety, guys, and here's the hard part of this prayer. Most of our anxiety, and let me not speak for you, most of my anxiety comes from my want of proportion. I know God is providing everything I need today, but I want more. And because I don't get the more, that's for the most part why I'm stressed and worried about tomorrow. He says, I'll give you your daily needs. But John, you're still stressed because of your daily wants. 
I don't want what I need today. I want what I want today. <laughs> and if you look at Matthew 6.11, let me throw it up here real quick. Oh, I skipped it. Ah, oh, man. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> We're going to get this. Check it out, guys. Look at Matthew 6.11. He goes like this. Give us this day our daily bread. Just look at it again. Look at the word daily. You ought to underline that, underscore it, highlight it, something. That word daily is critical. Now look at this statement. I want everybody to write this down or put it in a phone or something like that. Watch this. Look at that. Everybody read that. Just read that. That's big. We got to get that in our hearts. God said, I, I am going to provide everything you need today. And John, I love you, and I've measured out exactly what you need today. And any excess may mess you up. If you got that, if I gave that to you, it may mess you up. So I've measured everything out exactly the way you need it to keep growing as my son. And if I don't provide it today, you don't need it. That's a wrestling match with God. This is why you have to go back, and go back to love and trust. If he loves us, we can trust it. Um, I had something amazing. I had so many amazing things happen this week as well as trials, so don't get me wrong. But uh, it was amazing. The amazing thing was so amazing. And, uh, man, God did, God's doing this thing, and I'm not even sure where it's going, but... This thing became a bigger thing, and it, you know, and it has to do with us as a church and all this stuff. And I'm, my head's just spinning, and I'm like, this, this is what I need, God. This is what I need. This is what I need. And then it got derailed for a minute, and then it got just derailed for a minute. And I just threw a spiritual fit. Like with my Heavenly Father, I'm just like, Lord, you know, what is that? You know, something could have happened there and all this stuff. And then this saying hit me right there. If God didn't provide it today, John, it's because he knows you don't need it. And it just kind of knocked me back into the submissiveness. Now think about it. We're talking about daily bread. Like a balanced diet. Our lives have to be balanced. We can't get too little and we can't get too much. And so when we, when we are battling anxiety, and it's because of the things we want, not the things we need, God is saying, no, it's like a balanced diet. I give you exactly what you need. I, I measure the whole thing out, and uh, this is how much love you need today. This is how much of your way uh, that you need today. This is how much money you need today. This is, this is how much entertainment you need today. This is the type of car you need today. This is the type of job you need today. And as hard as it is, this is the type of unemployment I need you to have right now. This is the type of work that you need today. And this is the type of rest that you need today. This, this is the daily bread that I give. I balance you out perfectly. What I need you to do is trust it. I'm growing you into the image of my son. And sometimes what we need is what we fight. Sometimes what we need 
is what we fight. Now, the Jewish guys who heard this as they gathered around the feet of Jesus would have thought about manna in the wilderness. Remember the children of Israel? So they come out of slavery, which is like a picture of someone coming out of the bondage of sin. They're led by Moses. The greater Moses, Jesus, came. So Moses is a picture of Jesus leading these guys out of the bondage of sin. And they go into this new land, and it's a trial. It's a desert land. That's a picture of the the Christian going through life. They want to get to the promised land, but they got to go through the barren land. The promised land is a picture of heaven. So God says, I'm going to give you exactly what you need. I'm going to give you daily bread, daily manna. And you remember what the children of Israel did, right? They said, we don't want daily. We want to store up weekly and monthly amounts so we'll know our future is secure. And God says, I don't want you to do that because that's not best for you. You need to learn to trust me. I'm going to measure out just what you need day by day. And, and when they stored up manna, it would, it would rot and it would make them sick because it's not what they needed. And so these Jewish guys listening to this would have got this. Like, oh, yeah, the stories we were told growing up about the manna thing. So if we get more than we need, it could corrupt us. And so we need to yield to what God knows we need just day by day. Yeah, that's the story. Let me add one more thought. You guys okay? One more thought. So anyway, like, I just want you to breathe. I want you to feel that trust. When I thought about this, I get to write this stuff all week, and it changes me. When I felt that, I just felt this release, like, today, whatever happens, this is exactly what I need. This is my daily bread. And can I just add something? I had some trials this week, and I said, this is exactly what I need. This is my daily bread. God measured out, and he said, John, I need to grow you, so i got to hit you. Uh, with this weird trial thing. Just trust me on this. Flow with it. This is a part of your daily bread. I said, but Lord, I don't want that. And he says, no, I'm measuring out exactly what you need for a a spiritual, healthy soul. You need this. I said, Lord, I want to trust your daily bread. What have you authored? What have you measured out for me today? I want to trust it. It's all I need. It's all I need. And again, as Jeffrey was praying, if our identity, our value, our joy is in Christ, we're actually... We're okay when the daily things aren't exactly what we want, but we realize they're what we need because we have the greatest treasure, Jesus Christ. So here's my question, and let me roll into one last thought. Man, I just mulled over this. Why does God want us to pray that we trust and be content with what he gives us each day? Just, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you what you need so you don't worry about it. I don't want you to worry. Like, Boom, put it on the shelf so your focus can go over here. I got your back over here. You look over there. What is he trying to do right there, you guys? Think about this. Uh, Maybe write this down as well. This is what I began to realize this week. God provides your daily needs. So you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to chase it down. You don't have to stress about it. You can trust that he's going to come through with the things that you need today so you can make daily space for another hunger, another bread 
that fills the soul. I got all this over here. Don't be preoccupied with this, God says. I'm your father. I got this stuff. Um, you, have never, you have never gone without and died. <laughs> You're good. Trust me on this. I got, I got the material stuff. I got it. And by the way, I gave you a church. Like, you really think you're going to go without with all these people? I got you. Now you focus on this other bread. There's another hunger in you, and I want you to, I want you to stuff your soul and quench that appetite. And that bread is the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at John 6 real quick, and then uh, I kind of want to sing more. So John 6, verse 30. Here's the setting. I'll, I'll work through this in the next couple of minutes. Here's the setting. Jesus has thousands of people following him. And do you know what the thousands of people want? <laughs> the miracle man to make more bread. Like who wouldn't follow a guy who's like, watch this, bam, bread. You want some water? There's a rock. They're following him for the wrong reason. He's like, I'm the true bread. And he says all these cryptic things like this. Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you won't know life. And they're all like, you know, that was kind of a hard saying. You know, they're like, whoa, what's going on there? What he's saying is you're not going to, if you're worried about all the physical and you think I came just to give you more physical, what you're, what you're not realizing is that you're starving in your soul here. And when you put, put me in your heart, when you, when you soak me in, when you feast on me and my grace, I'll blow your mind. So watch this, uh, 6.30. So they said to him, this is the big crowd. Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? They're like, okay, if you're, if you're Jesus, if you're the Messiah, then do something awesome. Well, they already have the whole thing loaded. They want bread. <laughs> like, keep making dinner for us. This is awesome. We don't have to work anymore. And Jesus is like, no, I came for more than that. Look at verse 31. They go like this. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Here's what they're saying. Make bread fall from heaven for the rest of our lives. We're tired of worrying about where our food's going to come from. Be a God who just does physical stuff, makes our physical life full. And what's so trippy is Jesus' response. Verse 32. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly. When Jesus does that, truly, truly, he's like, I need you to pay really careful attention. I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. You don't need more physical. You need more of me. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, they still don't get it. They said to him, sir, not Lord, sir, give us this bread always. They still don't get it. Jesus said to them, I am the bread. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. 
the real feast, the real meal, the, the real bread that you need to focus on is the bread of Jesus, is worshiping Jesus. Jesus is saying that he has life that needs to be taken in by us and made a part of us just like a piece of bread. And he'll explode in us. And he's like, remember, God's got all the little physical things. He's going to take care of the whole thing over here. Quit worrying about that. I need you to feast on me, Jesus says. Feast on me. Put me in your heart and watch what I do. Swallow me, if you will. Put, put my word in, in your mind. Put my, my people in your life. Put my prayers in your heart and watch what happens. I mean, think about eating bread. When you eat something like bread, the energy... The life of the food is released in your body. And Jesus is like, man, if you'll feast on me, my life, my power will be released in your soul. Every piece of bread you've ever eaten had to be built out of everything that died. Wheat, it had to be killed. But when you put it in, it somehow gives life and energy. And Jesus is like, man, I died so you could take me in. And my Holy Spirit would release a hope and a power and a faith. Stop worrying about these things over here. I got your back. Come hard after me and put me in your soul and let me release my life. I want us to do something different. I want us in just a minute to bow our heads and pray together. And I'm going to put this prayer up on our board, on our screen. And if we could sum up this whole sermon, here it is. This is the prayer. Every one of us should write this down and pray this every day. Father, help me to be content with what you've given today so I can make space to be with Jesus. God, change your life right there. Can we do that? Let's go to the Lord. Let's bow our heads in prayer.